Welcome back to Drip, a DC coffee podcast, and happy Thanksgiving. My friends have been extremely supportive when it came to launching this podcast. With Thanksgiving so near, it made sense to bring friends in for this episode. Since my focus is to highlight the larger DC coffee scene, I thought it would be good to speak with the past barista and the guy who had a major influence on me drinking my coffee black. Both are in DC bands, Philip Bass Knight of the Broke Royals and Reese Tucker of Sweet Earl Green are good college buddies who have an interesting take and relationship with the DC coffee scene. We explore their favorite coffee shops, the regular and barista relationship, and potential synergies between DC coffee and music. I failed miserably trying to get them to sing a duet during our recording, but I did manage to get a song from each. Listen to the songs after the credits, and hint, if you like the intro music, I would stay tuned. That's all I got, so sit back, grab your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. One of the big reasons that I wanted to invite Phil is because he made a comment to me when we were living together two years ago, and it was, I really like to drink my coffee black. And once I started drinking my coffee black, I was able to really start noticing the differences in coffee. At that time in my coffee journey, I didn't even really think about it. And it started to make me think about the differences of coffee. So, Phil, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and where you are on your, your coffee journey. Sure. First of all, I am excited because when I talk about music publicly, I'm very diplomatic. No, I'm not holding back about coffee, so you'll hear Good. some, yeah, watch out. Started drinking coffee, I think in college. In high school, I remember drinking McDonald's vanilla iced coffee and thinking that was really good. And then someone who was older, a family friend, was like, that is garbage. And then I remember feeling very ashamed. And so I didn't drink coffee for a long time after that because I didn't like regular coffee. But in college, whatever the impetus was or whatever got me into it, I got hooked pretty quickly and was a mainstay at the Daily Grind, which was the was or is the one of the lodges on Wayne Mary's campus. And they had, oh, does anybody remember? It was a, an Italian roast and a French roast. Is that right? Like that sounds right. something that I was like, oh, that's definitely how coffee's labeled. And then I got in the real world and I was like, no one does that. Like that's just like, an, it, am I right? I mean. I know I, you hear Italian or you hear French roast a lot, but like, I don't feel like it's common that you go somewhere and those are your two options. Yeah, Does that right. make sense? Like yeah. Those were the only, I was like, oh, that's the binary coffee system that the world operates under is like, got your French coffee. And I was like, all right, that's it. Everything goes through that. But then I realized like there are more tiers and levels or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm also no, stinker. You're right. Yeah. It's, so that's the, the category of, the amount of roasting. So right. I think it's French or Italian is dark roast and the other one's light roast. And there's a third darker. Yes. Yeah. That got me into it, but I was very much into cream at the time. A half and a half guy. Okay. Probably put a solid half inch of cream in my coffee for the first three years, you know, mm-hmm. really laid it in there, uh, with room and started working desk jobs after college, nine to five desk jobs that I was not well suited for. Uh, personally or professionally and I remember I just started drinking so much coffee and then I watched this documentary with Dave Grohl and he was like yeah I was drinking an absurd amount of coffee I was drinking like a pot of coffee a day and I was like I easily drink a pot of coffee a day Yeah, and I was like getting a little concerned so I was like alright let's try this as a fun experiment I'll cut out coffee entirely for a month first when I cut it out I like, had the crazy uh, headaches. I was like really like it was really hard to get up in the morning, and then it would be hard to go to bed at night. It like really messed up my whole sleep schedule. It was very strange actually. And then, as Austin mentioned, when I went back, I had no taste for cream. Favorite DC coffee spots? Hmm. Well, there's a blue bottle that just opened in Georgetown, and it's so. Freaking we we can get into that. We, we'll get into not, that. Not, not yet. Not okay. Now. Okay. <laughs> and then end of speech. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you you went from no sugar, but a lot of cream. Yep. And you were doing random experiments to yourself and ended up drinking all black coffee. And just cut it out for a month. No, no coffee at all for a month. And then when I came back, right. no cream. Was part of that no cream mission, one, because your taste buds changed, but also because 
of music and how milk is sometimes mm. bad for your vocal cords. That's no, that's interesting because that was just a happy coincidence. But it is something that I am very careful of, and you really can feel it. I, before big shows, I, I don't do. I'm not as diligent as I used to be, but I used to not drink milk or have cereal for a week before big shows. <laughs> cereal and, and water. Yeah, exactly. And then like sometimes I would like. We, I would forget and I would be like oh that doesn't hmm. like I'm not seeing the difference maybe the day of I'll cut it out but like and the day of I'll also try to god I'm bad sometimes though like I've definitely had coffee right before shows and it's not good you don't you feel it it's not good coffee is not so good no 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 it's really yeah it's not it's not good for the, the vocals yeah so I'll try to there have even been times when I'll well yeah but pre-show because it's an appetite suppressant I do sometimes I'll have it like an ideal would be like if we have a show at eight, I'll have coffee at like two in the afternoon, okay. three in the afternoon, because then I can I can get through the rest of the day without having to eat because I don't like to sing on a full stomach. Yeah, because that's how you burp into a microphone in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that here. I, this, yeah, I'm not going to be that serious. <laughs> uh, so for all you budding musicians, don't drink coffee or milk. That's what we got out of this. Just kidding, you can. But okay. um, Reese Tucker. Yes. is actually also a musician. Reese actually graduated with me at William & Mary, and after a couple years of professional work, went professionally into coffee, and when I was looking for jobs in D.C., was always kind of seeing what Reese was doing to figure out if that was a path that I wanted to go, and I ended up getting into coffee in part because of Reese, and just loved seeing him in that lifestyle. But uh, he was a barista for Compass Coffee, if it's okay if I say that on here. Wasn't sure. I think it is. You can bleep it out. We can bleep it out. Mystery. But um, yeah, that's Reese has um, a nice perspective of actually being a barista in D.C. and has since got out of that, but has more experience in it than I do. So we'd love to hear where you are on your coffee journey. Sure. Yeah. So I guess when I. Similarly, started drinking coffee in college. I guess like the first time I tried coffee, I was like a kid. I think we're at like some fancy dinner. And, like my parents were getting coffee. I was like, I want one too. I'm like, I'm an adult. Of course, it like tasted awful to me at this time. But you know, I had to play it cool. Like I'm enjoying this. <laughs> but uh, so that was the very first time I think I ever had coffee. Okay. But I definitely got into it in college. Initially, as a necessity. Like, you know, you're up late with projects or mm -hmm. papers, whatever. And, but I really, like, started loving coffee also through the establishment called The Daily Grind on campus. Ah. Um, so this is the first time I've had, like, actual quality coffee and was able, after drinking the first, like, sip or cups, like, wow, this is... All coffee doesn't taste the same. So after that, I started drinking it more and more and eventually became a everyday drinker, especially so when I transitioned into the professional world and had an office job for the um, first few years out of college and became a necessity to drink every day. Yeah, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, I remember at one point our office got an espresso machine. It was, it was not a while from when I worked, so you know, we had money for <laughs> and like I think I was just especially bored that day so I like was trying all the different kinds of <laughs> Nespresso pods and I think I had like four four espresso in like a very short amount of time and I remember feeling very bad like physically concer or concerned for my physical state <laughs> but I made it through still love coffee so that was you know side story but eventually left there and Passed around a few jobs and then ended up at Compass. Um, it was a great experience. It was fun, like learning more, like everything about the coffee process of obviously how to prepare it, where like beans come from, how like coffee, like the whole process works of from turning beans into this liquid that we drink and enjoy. Yeah. Developed, I think, a more adept palate. I'm like by no means, you know, an expert or anything, but. Even now that I'm out of the coffee game professionally, I still like measure my beans and water in my French press every day. <laughs> my roommates make fun of me. What's your ratio? I do 18.5 grams of beans oh to God. 300 grams of water. Oh, I have no idea. Take notes. 
so yeah, and that's. I mean, now I drink, and I still drink it every day. I am physically dependent. We'll get headaches if I don't drink it. So mm. drinking it right now. So we went through your coffee journey, but what's coffee actually mean to each of you? Elixir of life. Um, <laughs> or perfect. Yeah, I don't know. Like definitely, I can't function. Well, my morning really starts once I have a cup of coffee. It's yeah. like. And I'll physically be well for the day. I'll be mentally prepared. Yeah. But it's also, like, I enjoy doing it. Especially on the weekends when I'm able to just, like, sip it at leisure, not, like, while I'm doing work. It's, like, a, it's a nice daily ritual. Yeah. Okay. Daily ritual, elixir of life. Mm-hmm. Getting into him some Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> I, had a, yeah, I had a similar conversation with my roommate, David, doesn't drink coffee. I was like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And I was like, totally kidding. But then I was like, at the same time, I was like, that sounds depressing, but I like genuinely look forward to waking up. When I wake up, I genuinely look forward to that first cup of coffee in a way that sometimes I'm like, even when I'm going to bed, I'm like, cool coffee tomorrow, which is <laughs> <Just> so <laughs> uncool, but it's so cool. Yeah. It's right I get like excited about it. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So both of you very much intertwined with your life and I would say the same. Yeah. Uh, that's perfect. I was going to ask, how do you use coffee? But it sounds like you guys are actually drugged on coffee, so we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> yeah, necessity and a treat sometimes, yeah. too. Yeah. And you can mix up how you consume it. I usually do French press every day. Sometimes you get an espresso mm. from a nice place. If you're looking to go to a coffee shop in your area or in D.C., what are the ones that you'd really try to hit up? Go ahead, Fizz. I'm in a coffee growth phase right now. Okay. That's okay. We all are. I live in Bloomingdale, D.C. Shout out Bloomingdale. (laughs) Okay. So as a person who has not had Wi-Fi in their house for the last month, Mm -hmm. I like the Compass on 7th a lot. Okay. I was only familiar with the Compass on 9th where Reese worked. Was that too much? For a long time. 8th. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, For a long time. And I like that one, but there's a little more space on the one on 7th. And it's kind of a fun little hub of, you can see a lot of people, like entrepreneurs and stuff. But the Blue Bottle Coffee in Georgetown is so good. It's some of my favorite. And I have never been to La Cologne still, but every time Austin brings me the coffee, I really enjoy it. So those are pretty standard. I'm trying to think of any, if there's like any restaurants that have like baller coffee. Okay. Uh, so Big Compass Guy and you... I like the whole Amianta Compass. I like La Cologne. But I would say if I had to pick like my favorite cup of coffee. I really like Blue Bottles Coffee. Okay. Um, over there, yeah. They're based out of San Francisco, and they just put one in right next to Dean and DeLuca. Yeah. As far as, like, fast ones go, I'm also super glad that Pete's moved in in Georgetown because it's affordable, they're good rewards program, and it's not Starbucks, which is... I mean, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I actually like Starbucks, but I prefer Pete's, and I'm so stoked that they're equidistant from where I work yeah. now. Yeah, that's a nice smattering of um, more specialty realm of like Compass and Pete's is kind of getting there, but it's still much larger. Uh, mm-hmm. Blue Bottle is definitely a specialty, and, and Starbucks is trying to get into specialty with reserve coffees. Reese? Yeah, so, so definitely I'm going to a spot. I got a, got a shout out for my, my Compass people. Okay. Yeah, I do enjoy, especially going back to my location. Specifically to like, you know, see... On 9th Street. Yeah, on 9th Street. <laughs> They're actually building one on 9th now because uh, of this I podcast. Doubt I don't doubt it. Like, don't don't give them the idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just to see, you know, my old co-worker friends and, you know, it is like legitimately good stuff too. So I enjoy going and getting served rather than, you know, serving. Mm, yeah. It's nice to be on the other... Interesting to be on the other side. Okay. Um, Any other ones? And... uh yeah, I like um, like the coffee bar is good for they have like yeah. a really good. Where's probably that? my favorite ambiance. Interesting. Um, okay, it's like uh, what is it? It's like Twelfth and S or something. Yeah, so there's one on Twelfth and S, and there's also one pretty close to Farragut off of, I think Connecticut. Hmm. Um, but yeah, good ambiance. Uh, yeah. And what do you like about the ambiance there? Oh, no, and specifically, just... and for pick us, pick one of them because they are kind of different ambiances. Oh, the, right? uh, yeah, the S Street one. Which I think is the original. Yeah. Um, I like it. I mean, it's like spacious. There's couches and stuff. It's like very, uh, like, you know, 
not less intense, I think, than some of some like other like more boutique coffee shops. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the Y down on like 14th Street for like convenience and like they've got a cool the Y down the Y down vibe in there as well. Oh, cool. The Y down is on 14th and it's owned by two guys out of St. Louis. They're brothers who wanted to start a shop and they chose DC to start it. And nice. so yes, that's a it is a cool place too and they have I think some of the best baristas in DC if I'm going to give them a shout out. They're what good. makes a They're good barista? Good. Yeah, um, I guess Reese can talk about it too, but from my perspective, uh, I focus on really being a social person and trying to figure out what's best for the customer, not necessarily what they think is a better coffee or worse coffee, but what's best for the customer. And then everything is dialed in there. So the espresso is the right ratios. Like Reese does mm-hmm. his French press to 18.5 grams to 200 grams, 300 grams of water. But having the coffee dialed in, whether it's a pour over or an espresso, and they have three or four different roasters and they're always dialed in. Do you have, I'm sorry, what's dialed in? So dialed in is having the right ratio and okay, right okay. grind for... Yeah. No, that's a good question. Yeah, Some people don't know it. Um, so a lot of baristas will be like, oh, is that espresso dialed in? And if it's yeah. been an hour and they haven't dialed it in, oh, it's yeah. probably not dialed in. Because like, you know, it, like depending on the like humidity or like air pressure or something like no that. No way, really? Uh, yeah. The grain size, like you want to have the perfect amount of grain size for like enough water to flow past the grains but not like too much water because you want your espresso to be like a certain volume certain mm-hmm. like if it's too long it'll be more sour and astringent long meaning like like bigger more watery mm-hmm. or more water flowing through if it's too short it means like the grinds were too small and like it was like just getting muddied up and then it's like super bitter so you want that perfect medium huh. oh, I'd say Signs of a good barista, like any combination of, you know, not being an asshole, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, making, you know, a good product, making it relatively in a timely manner, but also being friendly, being, you know, sociable, but also being able to read, like, does this customer, like, want to talk to me or, like, do they just want to do their own thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. being on the same level as they are so yeah exactly earlier you commented about needing to be at a place with wi-fi and there's a big trend at least in the specialty scene to not have wi-fi in your shops and there was an instance that i heard from a cafe owner that a customer came in and was extremely upset that all these boutique specialty shops didn't have wi-fi and was like what the heck's going on and um, just wanted to get your all's perspective of Wi-Fi in coffee shops or Wi-Fi not in coffee shops. Uh, that's a very general question, but I'm sure there's... You got to know before you go, right? Like, that's a little bit on you. It is rough when you're like, I need a coffee and I got to send an email and then you sit down and there's no Wi-Fi. And you're like, but I think most of the time it's on the customer to know, like, what was the place we... Did we go to the coffee bar? Where did we go? In DuPont last week. Or uh, filter. 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 I, was, I was great. I really liked it. Filter and was really great. There is a sense of like disengage, like focus on the conversation, focus on the coffee. Like I think they even have like a, a little cheeky little sign that says that. But it's like fun and it like makes you think differently, which is sad because like in 2017, you have to be reminded not to be on the internet. Yeah. But if that's what it takes, it's kind of nice to have like a little haven. I'm sure there are customers that go there specifically because of that, you know? Yeah, or don't go there specifically. Or, yeah, exactly. And there's, I'm sure there's a pizza or a cozy that they can find right yeah. around the corner. And Compass has um, Wi-Fi. How was the internet and people coming in to do work integrated into kind of your cafe environment? I mean, yeah, it's just like, I don't want to give away too many Compass secrets. Yes, please don't do that. But, <laughs> but one of the big things they like preach was like meeting people where they are. So like if it's like someone who wants to come in and like just post up for the day and we want to provide that for them. And especially at my location where it's a bit quieter than the, the roastery and you have the upstairs where we're going to just kind of be tucked away and be productive. Like you know, if they want to do that, go for it. It's like a customer and... 
I mean, I guess as far as just like having Wi-Fi or not having Wi-Fi, I think, I mean, in today's day and age, it like doesn't hurt to like have it. You're, are you trying to get people in and out that quickly or yeah. you're okay to have yeah. um, people hang around? One thing, one place I didn't mention, probably because I haven't had their coffee yet, but a cafe that I really like a lot is Potter's House um, and Adams Morgan. Um, yeah. Just because it's like really cool vibe. They have good food and like a, you know, socially conscious. Um, but they even have, I think, certain tables where it's like you can't have computers or, or there's little signs that say like, hmm. no computers or phones or whatever. That is sort of like food or eating. Right? And they're owned by a church, right? Or there's a relationship with yeah, there might a be. potter's church or something. Like, I could be completely wrong. I have no idea myself. But huh. have, you, have you ever been to one of the ones? I won't say which because... There's a place around here that I like, um, but they have a sign that says, like, after, like, X p.m., like, it's pretty early, do things like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., please don't have your technology out, and they shut the Wi-Fi off. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's, I like the idea, but I've gotten caught there too many times. At five. Needing to use it. But again, I am a person who has had no Wi-Fi in their home for months. <laughs> yeah. Take Shout out to Comcast. Yeah, yeah, right. Worse. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, and so I'm kind of intrigued from both you because uh, Reese, you're a cafe user and then also worked in a cafe. And Phil, uh, since you don't have any I Wi-Fi, you're always to, in technically. cafes. And I worked at a cozy. I guess you worked at a cozy. <laughs> um, <laughs> But what type of coffee communities have you been a part of or seen uh, within the district specifically? Super cool. One of my favorite things about working at Compass was getting to know regulars who came in every day and like, you know, it's this whole like random group of people that I otherwise would not have met um, or maybe crossed paths with before, but... You know, over time, I'm like, was, I'm terrible with names, but, you know, you eventually learn their names from writing it on the cup, and uh, it was like, it's great to remember things about these people, you're like asking them about something you talked about maybe last week, but you like just developed this, like, interesting relationship where you get to know people through, like, the service you're providing, and... Um, Is there one relationship that sticks out for you? Um... I don't know. I don't want to like see putting customers on blast. <laughs> you don't have to say their There's name. One but... guy, I really hate it. <laughs> Jerry, <Yeah. laughs> um, no, I, I really mean, bother them. That's cool. Just like as much I think as customers enjoyed coming in and like seeing you know a familiar face who they could like chat with for a couple minutes while they wait for their coffee. Um, like you also appreciated that familiar face who like. You know, it's not just you know, some other new person. Yeah. So. They know what you go through every day and they yeah. see your different faces. And yeah, they kind of know the deal. And not just a transaction, but a relationship. Yeah. Now, and have you been able to, or tried, it's tough when you work in the industry because you're always around it, but they have throwdowns every two weeks. Did you get involved in those or was there? What's a throwdown? Um, yeah. Yeah, so a throwdown is a latte art competition oh. that uh, the DMV Coffee Group puts on every uh, second Thursday of the month. So you can go on DMV Facebook, DMV Coffee Facebook. Did you get engaged in the community that way? Were you always kind of mm-hmm. like, it's my work? Can you and do I the coffee art? Can I, do I can do latte art. Oh. I'd say I am perfectly adequate. Okay. <laughs> so I was never, I mean, I tell me sometimes when I'd like do it, be like, Mm, killed it yeah <laughs> it's like you know wanting people like look at this cup and take that you should Instagram <laughs> one time a guy did like took a picture of my latte art and it like wasn't that great I was like wow alright <laughs> right he doesn't even know, know what I can do <laughs> but I was definitely impressed with some of my other co-workers who like could do some really crazy stuff but I was never at that level where I was competing right? yeah Fizz from your perspective, what coffee communities have you been a part of? And My best coffee community is with, I can't believe I forgot to say this earlier, the Sylvan Cafe in Bloomingdale on whatever, it's a big one that I, Rhode Island. Um, uh, they just reopened, or I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I think they just reopened. And 
I go in every day and they know my name and they know my order. And that's the first time that I've had like that cheers experience where yeah. you walk in and they like know what you want. And it's pretty cool. You're a regular. I'm a regular. Yeah. What, yeah. What's that experience like? To be a regular. It sounds like you like it. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. You show up the first time and they're like, I got your diplomat. And it's like, just ready to go. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know me. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Does it make you go back more? For sure. For sure. I love that. But like, even when like they screw up my bagel order or like something like that, like it's happened a few times, but I'm like, eh, whatever. It's my buds. You know, like, yeah. so like you give them a little yeah. grace, you know, you're like, yeah. eh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. He's like, he's cool. <laughs> And the one guy, he led me to believe that he was the manager for two months. And then one of the other employees was like, he's not the manager. (laughs) (laughs) I like that guy. Yeah, Yeah, that's funny. That's awesome. I won't say his name. Any other coffee community? I've bounced around D.C. having lived in Foggy Bottom and sort of Georgetown, uh, Bloomingdale. So I've gotten a lot of different little things, but it's now fun to have like settled into one area and know like they know my preferences i know what they have to offer and like it's fun to see if they change their menu or they tried a new espresso for their iced americano and i like that was like what you think was it good it was good i'm a i'm a in the summer i'm an iced americano guy over a cold brew guy i'm not a big cold brew fan because i think it gets messed up more often than not But I will say, shout out to Compass again, the Nitro cold brew, that is like my, that's my thing that keeps me going there, especially in the summer, because I don't know if you have any insight on what that is, but that is like a, (laughs) to me, that's like a special, they do it really well, right? I think they do a really good job of that one. It's what we say, or what, you know, people casually say we're known for. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite one for sure. Something good. Yeah, no, it is. You're the first? uh, Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, other than that, I'm an iced Americano guy. Like if I, if I'm like, oh, this might... I don't know how the cold brew is going to be here. I'll go iced Americano because I feel like that's a safer bet. Yeah. I generally drink drip coffee over Americanos, but I'll drink iced Americanos over cold brews. That hierarchy. No lattes in there. No, man. No milk. I don't, I don't no milk. Cut that milk. out. No. Cortados. Cappuccinos of the most. Cortados. Cortados, yeah. Cortados is the... Is the yeah. yeah. I always feel like they're like in like an, uh, a container that you would serve like a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> yeah, the Gibraltar glass. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you're changing my perspective on uh, those glasses. That would be a fun, uh, like, combo. Like, breakfast combo. <laughs> Cortados. <laughs> two magic glasses. Take note, cafes out there. Yeah. Hard-boiled eggs and Cortados. We'll, we'll start this business. Yeah, exactly. sorry. Yeah, don't do that. that. Edit this out. we got to save this idea. Yeah, we'll save it's a million-dollar idea. <laughs> that would be the weirdest. Uh, eggs and yeah. espresso. <laughs> Um, Expressive. Oh, I'm tired of that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys like music, mm-hmm. and you're both music people. There seems to be unique communities and kind of underground communities in both coffee and then also music. But are there any similarities between the music community within DC and the coffee community within DC? Mm-hmm. And the same point: is there any overlap between those communities? That's a good question. I'm like obsessed with music as a small business venture because like it's so crude to say that that I feel like it's not widely discussed but like in our band we treat it as such like mm-hmm. and we always have and then like sort of like halfway through I was like oh this is like the opposite of like what all rock you know like don't license your songs don't whatever that's like the traditional rock mentality whatever but we were, we've always been, and I'm not saying we're out there like looking for sponsors. I just mean like we always treat it like a business. And one thing that I've wondered is like, do cafes live and die by like blogs and endorsements? Like hmm. if the Washington Post writes about you or DC is to write young things, write about, writes about you. Like, I wonder what that does for like a young, a fledgling coffee company in the way that like it does for a band. Like yeah. that can like, you can like go a long time on like one write-up like we have seen and we've been a part of those instances where like you get one good press spot and that'll last you like six months Hmm. and it's like and i mean like really good you know what i mean and i'm like oh this like literally could be for coffee this could be like your livelihood this could be like a small business like living or dying but i don't know if it's the same but like that stuff is really interesting to me about like yeah 
I bet it's more similar than people are willing to admit, especially as like small bands become, this is on the music side of it, but like as small bands are expected to do more through social media and like uh, selling your own merch and distributing your own music on iTunes and Apple mm-hmm. Music and Spotify and all that stuff. Like that's the expectation now is that you're like at a, before a label would look at you, you have to be like at a certain like professional level. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like back in the day where it was sort of just like, you guys have a hit sound. Yeah. <laughs> Let's sell some records. Like, so my point is, I think it's probably pretty similar mm-hmm. the way you treat any small business, including coffee, which is probably, it's probably a, in terms of like percentage of like small businesses, that's probably pretty high on the list, right? Like be, yeah. coffee shops, restaurants, there's gotta be two of the yeah. leading small businesses. I don't know. That's really interesting you bring it up because in a lot of ways they're both music and coffee kind of enterprises of passion mm-hmm. and people get into coffee because, Oh, I'm passionate about it. I want to have a cafe right. or oh, I'm passionate about music and I'll live, die and sweat by it. And I don't need to make any money. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you do need to make money. And I was talking to a cafe owner on 14th and he was saying, you know, part of the reason we moved to DC is because you need a lot of foot traffic and you need density and you need to be in the right location. So for him, it was very much a business venture. And I don't know, you may have some thoughts on it too. The like specialty scene of coffee is almost like I don't want to get big enough to sell and like make it international where people want to buy me. Right. There's almost a weird tension between getting bought sure. out versus yeah. being still special. How do you like uh, keep the boutique status as you like scale? Up? Right. It's like being an indie band. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of. Huh. And it's funny you mentioned like uh, kind of the passion in like both, and it's funny one thing that I thought it was like they're also both like super subjective too like mm-hmm. you can have all this passion in the world and like put all everything into it you know some people are gonna like to taste their coffee one way or like like their espresso you know a certain level of you know bitterness to sourness and uh same like same with music you have a people have wildly different musical tastes i don't know for me it's hard to compare like the two i guess circles or industries the thing i think about with dc music in particular is that there's kind of just accessibility for all different types of sounds all different levels of groups like which i think is something unique where like i mean you can play venues around town to like small bars to house shows there's like seemingly like things like so far there's like seemingly endless avenues for groups or people of like all different skill levels and sounds to like actually get out there and like put themselves out there, which I think is super cool. And I guess that kind of, I don't know if it could be said about coffee too, or starting a business because you know, there you have to have like a certain level of, you know, financial. <laughs> you almost see more with beer. Right? Yeah. Like you could brew your beer in your, in your garage. Yeah. But could you, I don't know. I don't I actually literally don't know. Could you yeah. roast coffee in your garage? You could. I guess you could just roast coffee in your kitchen, right? You could roast in your kitchen. Yeah, the old people roast with popcorn yeah. roasters or, mm-hmm. or other things. But um, I'm trying to think. I think there's somebody who kind of started that way in D.C. I know I like yeah. Qualia. DIY. Yeah, do it yourself. Yeah. And um, A lot of people will... Oh, Commonwealth Joe's kind of did that. His mom was a roaster and... She was making great coffee, but didn't really know how to sell it. And so her son and his business partner were like, we can sell it for you. And so they just did mail order for a while. Cool. And now they have brick and mortar shops. But, how about that? Right? That's kind of the passion towards coffee, like you're mentioning. That's kind of the excitement for me of it. But interesting that those two worlds can kind of collide. Or even if it's, say, drinking wine or craft beer now. Maybe America is just getting to a point where everybody likes to be different and hipster, yet now that's kind of mainstream in a lot of ways. I will mention there's a um, place called Songbird, like mm. record store music. I can't remember the full name. Mm-hmm. Or music cafe or something. I think that I like. Yes. That we've played there a couple times, or several times. Um, but they 
are doing a lot where they have like a music venue, they have upstairs bar, and, like full service, but they also have this cafe and like record store all in like the same building. So there it's like really capitalizing on kind of these um, similar-ish groups um, yeah. that like can kind of overlap. You have the coffee enthusiasts, you have the music, you got it's awesome. All these things that like appeal to s- some similar crowds. So yeah. That's one place where it's like doing both. That's directly great, overlapping. Yeah. That's a great example. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And they also have great burgers. Yeah. They got good food. Okay. It's what, I mean, everything they do is so high quality. I've not had their coffee, so I'm not, yeah, I've been either. can't speak to that, but I mean, they're like, they're booking through live nation now. They're really? yeah. Like they're crazy. Like anyway, it's just like, cool commitment to building a, a scene as opposed to just yeah. like a, a venue. Like they're not just a venue. They're, they're yeah, definitely yeah. more, right? Yeah, I think cool. that's yeah, what I was failing to say. Yeah. Oh no, I, I got that. Appealing to scenes and making yeah. it see. Yeah. Bringing a couple things together. That's really, that's cool. Um, so check out Songbird because I hear their coffee's good and their burgers are great and good bands play there. Yeah. Kind of speaking towards community, how do you think coffee could make community within dc better and have you seen any good examples of coffee shops making community better through their product or specifically towards coffee but if there's another example you guys are in the know as the kids say dog tag bakery they have some really cool involvement with military vets Mm -hmm. and uh, i think the proceeds some of the proceeds go there and i know that a lot of the employees are former military and they're really committed to fighting things like PTSD and uh, or helping soldiers uh, come back home and uh, other stuff. So that's a cool spot with a cause. They're yeah. in Georgetown, right on Wisconsin, right off Wisconsin. Okay, and what's yeah. that? Dog Tag Bakery. Dog Tag Bakery. Yep, they're cool. And they have coffee and baked goods. Coffee and baked goods. Yeah, it's always crowded with uh, Georgetown students. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it seems like a go-to spot for them. Huh. It's cool. Yeah. Reese, have you noticed any? Mm, generally, like, yeah, I guess one of the goals of, like, a cafe or, like, coffee shop beyond, you know, being profitable and making good product is, like, developing a community where you can be, like, a mainstay in the area and, like, they'll have regulars come in and it'll be a positive, hopefully a positive part of their day, their interaction with this product or with the store itself. So I guess, yeah, from a general sense, yeah, that's like what you're looking for. I guess some of like my experience, I mean, we, like at Compass, we have like discounts for like uniformed members of society. Like we had a lot of police regulars, which is cool, like getting to hmm. actually know, you know, your like neighborhood policemen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like sometimes on the opening shifts, it was super early in the morning, we'd have I can't remember if they're in the Navy or like the Marines, but they would like come in super early after who knows what they were doing, like training or like going on some sort of shift. But it was cool, like getting to know these groups within our community that like otherwise wouldn't. And I guess like even directly, I know, I think like Potter's House like gives like free food to like homeless people who huh. come in or like want to away. And so yeah, there's. It's cool. Broad spectrum of yeah. ways I think people are doing good things. Um, so, yeah. so for you both, if you had to create a coffee shop, and if you think about it, what would the name be? If you had to connect your coffee shop to a cause uh, and play out that cause in some way, what would it be? Uh, probably sustainability. In what way? Just general like awareness or being willing to support organizations that wanted to partner and all stuff. I don't know enough about that, but that's something that for some reason seems to be the cause that speaks to me, like uh, yeah, being aware of our earth and stuff, which is funny because I really don't like hiking <laughs> or camping, <laughs> but I want people to have the option to do those things. <laughs> but yeah. Sustainability. Yeah. Sustainability. And your shop would be called mm. I Don't Hike. Bobby's Bean Shop. Bobby's Bean Shop. Who's Bobby? We'll never know. But he likes the hike. But he likes the hike, and he's allowed to do it. <laughs> he's able to do it. Okay, that's fair. Sustainability. I feel like that's. It also goes hand in hand with the coffee shop, right? Yeah. Because it's like 
of the earth and something that you can do responsibly or probably very irresponsibly depending on your irrigation or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what. No, it's very true. And with global warming, global warming changes the soil and keeps pushing coffee higher and higher up in altitude to right. a point where we may not have any more land that we can grow coffee on because we go Wait, get into that. Say that again. So <laughs> that's interesting. As, as the earth changes, stock up now. Right? Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, start getting green beans. But the so as the earth gets warmer, the soils change, and so soil that would be good at say two thousand meters for farming coffee is now at two thousand five hundred meters for farming coffee, and if mountains only go three thousand meters at some point. We're not going to have any more land to grow coffee on. Wow. So sustainability is extremely important, whether it's in farming practices or just in our earth so that people can go on hikes and have coffee. So, oh. so it's a good cause. Land down truth bombs. Bobby's Bean Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody go there. They have eggs and espresso. Espresso. Reese? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know about like a strict cause... More like a you know a clear cause, but I think one thing if I were to open a cafe in DC, I think an interesting challenge would be, especially as like a lot of these boutique shops or like cafes or new spaces open in places of like shifting shifting demographics in neighborhoods. Yeah, I hate to use the words gentrification because it includes like a lot of different variables um, that we often just like you know throw slap gentrification on. Huh. But uh, ways to have new populations that are coming into the neighborhood and are often like the main customer base for some of these beauty coffee shops. Ways for the cafe to engage those people as well as populations that have been here before, like older, like black populations, and make them both feel included and hopefully like find maybe it's like a space for them to have like dialogue and greater interaction. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that would actually like play out in doing that, but I think that's something that is needed more, like greater interaction and dialogue between this new younger populations that are pushing or moving into older neighborhoods with people who've been there yeah. long before. I don't know what my cafe would be called. I need a... Oh, you can have a second, yeah. And you don't have to have an answer, but that's... I mean, it's a huge issue in the city, right? Of, yeah. Like, raising prices and pushing people out, and it sounds like there's a lot more variables that I don't know about. It's kind of maybe fill in sustainability. But that's all I got, unless there's more questions or... Um, Thank you for having me. It was us. awesome. Yeah. It was fun. Thank you guys for being part of it. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the DC Coffee community. Do you want to learn more about the Broke Royals? Check them out at brokeroyals.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. They just released their debut album, which I highly recommend listening to. Sweet Earl Green is on Facebook, and you can listen to their sweet vibes on SoundCloud. To clear up the roast style conversation, read the NCA Coffee Roast Guide in the show notes. After the credits, Broke Royals regales us with Seth Jordan, and Sweet Earl Green with Shit Damn Jam, which does have a few cuss words, but is really great. Stay up to date on Drip, a DC Coffee podcast, by checking out our website, dcdrippodcast.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DripDCPodcast. The team that helps make Drip possible, music by the Broke Royals, website and art design by Rebecca Silverstein, Creative support by Wesley Stukenbroker and editing by Steve Stewart. Thanks so much for listening and keep brewing community.
saying, don't look over, don't look over, they're inside my head. Bleeding so much. 